0: We clocked him at three seconds flat from home to first, said this is from Luke Easter, former Cleveland Indians. Great. I've seen a lot of fast ones, but Rabbit is the fastest, and that includes guys like Sam Jethro. If you want to find out who Rabbit is, make sure to follow along in this episode of Locked on Guardians. We're going to get into the deep history of Cleveland baseball, the Negro Leagues, and progressive baseball in general on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you podcast. podcasts. We cover your team, the Cleveland Guardians, every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com backslash locked on today to get started. I'm Jeff, over there is Justin. I wanna point out too, I have a lightsaber as well. I heard someone kind of in our comments on YouTube saying, Justin, they laughed and we, we are we are lightsabers all around. This is equal opportunity, uh, Star Warsness. ness um, Last Wednesday, I believe we both finished our show and said we got to go watch the Mandalorian. We did not watch it together. For those who are curious, no. <laughs> but um, uh, t- you know, I've been saying I want to do this for a while, and I d- didn't want to do just in um, you know Black History Month talk about the Negro Leagues because Cleveland has such a r- rich history, and I kind of wanted. To, I've been reading. Uh, what I recommend is a really great book, "Crossing the Line," and it's black uh, major leaguers from 1947 to 1959, and. Yes, the stats they use are not my favorite stats. <laughs> They're definitely the old school metrics. But you get a nice little bio on every player. And I learned a lot. Uh, so I kind of want to start there before I get into the players in Cleveland's own history and some of the really interesting players that came through Cleveland. Um, because I will stand that the reason this team was as good as they were in the late 40s and then into the 50s was they jumped in feet first. Uh I'm going to get myself in trouble. I believe Bill Vec, right? That's his first name. Vack was, is in wreck. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Great book so as Vack, well. Uh, Vec dove right in. Like Branch Rickey gets credit, but Vec might have signed more players of color. Um, and then when he left, he kept at it. And it helped even become a winner. But what was interesting in this book, one, is to see that a lot of the comments then, like when players were breaking through, there were a lot of people being like, that's not fair. Does this mean I can go play in the Negro Leagues? You know, like we see people complain and say, does that mean I can now go there? It's like, no, because you probably wouldn't have been good enough, let's be honest, if you weren't good enough to make it in the big leagues at the time. The Negro Leagues were probably the stronger league with the top teams, at least. Um, but I'm sure they would have taken you. And uh, the other interesting thing was, as much as we kind of focus on the racism aspect, which don't get me wrong, big aspect in this, uh, what is the other thing that has never changed in the history of baseball is the reason integration took place so long on, on top of racism, uh, is economics. And then if, for those who don't know how it worked with the the Negro league teams is they would travel and they would barnstorm and they would go to a city and, uh, they would, they would be huge, huge draw draws. And the fans would come out and I saw estimates that when, you know, the top teams, would go to town over the course of a year. Like in New York, the owner of the Yankees would make an additional $100,000 a year in, what, 1940s money. So that's, that's, that's a crud ton. So owners didn't really want to integrate because they knew once integration happened, then when those teams barnstormed, it wouldn't be as big of a deal and they would lose a huge revenue stream. So it was kind of fascinating to realize that, like all things in baseball, um, progress was stopped because of owner greed. On top of again, racism is part of it. I can't deny that, but it is, uh, as you've seen a lot of times with baseball, the money side of it. I know um, you were going to talk about like where they played. Uh, you know, Cleveland had their own teams, and we could talk about the Buckeyes. And when Andre is on, we talked about the I- Akron Tire Irons. But like when the big teams came to town, uh, you know,
1: where did uh, where did you find that they played? Well, I mean, they the nineteen. This is interesting. When I what I pulled up was the uh, Cleveland Buckeyes, who. I really like, by the way, when Cleveland wears those jerseys, I would like to see more of those uh, coming back again. I mean, part of me kind of hoped the name change, they would get the Buckeyes, but I kind of knew Ohio State wasn't going to yeah. let them do that. But uh, in 1945, so, you know, the Indians won the World Series in 48. and 45, the Cleveland Buckeyes won the Negro League World Series, and they wound up playing. They won that in four games. They wound up playing game one at Cleveland Stadium down by the lake. Uh, they played game two at League Park. They Played the uh, game three on the three and four on the road, and game four was at Shide Park, which is later known as Connie Mack Stadium. But so they played at both of Cleveland's home parks at the time, the 1945 uh, Negro League World Series. And I actually got a chance to go to League Park uh, a couple, eh, it's been about nine years now, I want to say. and was working for the News Herald uh, and I covered a couple of high school tournament games that, that played out there. And uh, if you're in the Cleveland area at all, I highly recommend going to League Park, it is not as good. Uh, as the Negro league museum, as we've heard about a lot on, on guardians broadcast, but um, there is a great museum there of baseball history. And it includes the Negro leagues includes the Caribbean leagues, uh, other barnstorming stuff like Jeff just talked about, highly recommend going up there to the baseball heritage museum. There is just a ton of uh, cool stuff out that way. And the ballpark just looks fantastic as well on that area. They have redone it very well and it has really benefited uh, youth leagues and high school leagues out in cleveland yeah no it's uh like i said it's it's interview
0: being like you haven't mentioned the kansas city monarchs yes that was the preeminent team that's where jackie robinson came from when he broke the color barrier in 1947 same year larry Doby would be the first american league player uh for those who don't know this is something else i hadn't realized until i read the book jackie robinson's brother mac finished second to jesse owens in the berlin olympics 0.4 tenths of a second behind him so as much as we hear and rightfully so about jesse owens uh, how about that athletic uh, Robinson family uh, in gosh, I'm blanking uh, Jackie Robinson, I believe played with Monty urban who uh, was a great outfielder for the giants for a, with a basketball team. there was three future like 10 year veteran MLB players on this California red devils team. So, uh, you know, it's, it's fun little things like that. Now the player I mentioned at the top was not one of the most famous ones, Joe Caffey, who uh, was nicknamed rabbit in the quote, it says Caffey, not rabbit. If I, I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, you know, he was, he, what was fascinating about him is how many of these guys like were prospects in a way, like they dominated A. and you look at Cleveland, you know, Cleveland traded away some great pitching because they had, uh, even the book claims, you know, one of the greatest rotations of all time at various points in time, the first, um, all black battery happened in Cleveland. It was Sam toothpick Jones, as he was called, he had a toothpick he'd have in his mouth and Quincy, Quincy Trope, I think I'm gonna say his name wrong. And, and Trope would go on to manage for a lot of years in the minors and scout and was uh, relied upon. But uh, they they would form the first battery uh, uh, completely uh, black. Eventually, Cleveland traded uh, Sam Jones because again they had way too many too many pitchers at the time, and he to the Giants and he'd go to the Cardinals, which by all account made. Um, Stan Musial extremely happy because there was a quote from Stan Musial saying that he could not hit him to save his life or something like that talked about the the talent and skill level uh for Cleveland that was the deal uh to for Ralph Kiner which might have helped his team if Kiner hadn't just kind of started to fall apart uh a you know, big power hitter of his era also speaks to how much people like Jones but uh you know obviously we talked about Larry Doby we I mentioned the first Black Battery. I mentioned Joe Caffey, who got like a cup of coffee in the majors and was one of those great speed players. Um, and I believe like he got his cup of coffee and then was the MVP of the International League the next year, but the outfield was tough. There was no place for him to go. And like I said, this is just the fun when you get into this, talking about all of uh, the players and the history. Now, we also know that Frank Robinson was the first African-American manager um, in baseball. Cleveland and we can jump to football and talk about how the Browns broke the color barrier as well. And again, I think that's something as Cleveland fans, you should Cleveland fans. It's a really nice thing to be proud of. Uh, this team was very, the city was very progressive with its sports. And, uh, again, Cleveland doesn't get good. You know, they win in 48 when you have Satchel Satchel page coming out of the pen on that world series team, I believe. Yeah. Larry Doby in the outfield. I'm trying to remember, if, um, if luke easter was in first base or not uh luke easter had a great quote when i was doing the research where people are like listen this coastal league he started out in the uh, west coast league is you're it's, it's going to be a racist you have to deal with a lot and he goes once i start hitting the home runs no one's going to care the color of my skin basically now the sporting news instead printed that is no one's going to give none that dare done that about that color about them that, like they Sporting news, not me, <laughs> took his whole, like, it's it's ridiculous. You can go back and be like, they literally changed his quote to make it seem more uh countryish and make, instead of Luke Easter being this well-spoken man who said this great thing. So, and, and Luke Easter is one of those fascinating guys. Uh, just one of the biggest power hitters unfortunately cleveland he didn't get to cleveland until his 30s so we didn't get to see as much of him i want to take a moment though and make sure that we give everyone their due so we're going to come back in segment two continue to talk about some of the the players who maybe didn't get mentioned um some of the guys who i mean the hype on these guys was extremely high i mean honestly these were kind of the first level of prospects this is before the draft so this is your first kind of prospect chatter and we'll get into that on in a moment on today's lockdown guardians The first FanDuel, that's right. FanDuel, our newest, one of our newest. We keep getting new ones all the time. Thank you to everyone who is joining up and sponsoring the show. We're past the midway point of the NBA season. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, to point scores, and threes drained. Again, bet the over on the Guardians. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, again, I want to give players their due because it's, you know, it was not an easy path. That's the other thing when uh, when uh, players who were marginal talents, the the two biggest complaints were, as I talked about in the first one, one being that. uh, Can I go play in the Negro Leagues where you have to barnstorm? And then, you know, when you got to the major leagues, the huge amounts of racism faced by a lot of these guys not being able to eat in the same places or stay in the same hotels as their teammates. And then uh, the other side of it being uh, that the conditions for like you, you were always on the road. It was not an easy schedule to be a barnstorming baseball player. And maybe the most famous one was Satchel Page, who, you know, I don't think anyone really knows for sure what his age was, but, you know, <laughs> he was supposedly in his 40s, I believe, when he, uh, he claimed he came to Cleveland and, you know, pitched into his 40s and was in effect, wasn't just like a, a gimmick. Like he was a good reliever at his age, went and pitched for the St. Louis Browns and the Kansas City Athletics after that. Not before after that um Minnie Minoso uh would go on to become like Mr White Sock virtually and uh so the 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 annoyance with, with Minnie Minoso is uh supposedly I I in the book they claim that Cleveland had a trade they wanted to get done and it netted them I believe early win it was a great pitcher for them. Uh, And they had to debate between mini Minoso or Harry Simpson. I'd always heard that the other team had the scout who signed Minoso so that the White Sox wanted him. Um, You know, he was just a power hitter. Eventually Cleveland would trade and get Minoso back and then they would trade him again. And then the player they got in that trade, they would flip um, to Detroit. And I'm blanking on who that is, who became Norm something, Norm. Became a great first baseman on those great 70s Tigers teams. Uh, And instead, Cleveland got uh, Derek Dietrich's grandfather. Uh, But uh, Minoso actually did get to play a few years in Cleveland. um, Signed as a very young player. Uh, People don't sometimes realize that Nuke, Don Newcomb, pitched in Cleveland towards the end of his career. He's, I I remember as a kid, I believe, you know, he won one of the first rookie of the years. uh, Looking at that in my almanac. Yes, I was that kid who read through my ba- the almanac I had. I didn't read the whole thing, but I definitely read the baseball sections cover insert to insert, I guess. But he, towards the end of his career, came to Cleveland. He's one of those players I was always kind of surprised wasn't in the Hall of Fame because of how good he was at the beginning. Um, he's also that rare player who missed time for World War II and for Korea. Served in both wars while also playing Major League Baseball. So, um, you know, sometimes I look at that and I'm like, maybe we should consider... player like that for the hall of fame a little bit more when they they missed three years to do different wars uh luke easter is next he had uh also served in world war ii again to give credit and he was 49 to 54 in cleveland and i was trying to think not long after that vic power came in so that was kind of the gap between there. uh big power hitter obviously there's luke easter park with CeCe Sabathia Field in Cleveland to honor um, what Luke Easter did. He was a power hitter before his day. Harry Simpson, um, a player who was called another World War II vet, I'm just debating. The nickname in the book was Tan Ted Williams. I was like, do I put it in there? Do I not put it in there? But that was his at the time and that's if you want to go back and think that like why they didn't want to trade him very strong wrists and said he became like have suitcase will travel uh but played for you know a a lot of years in the big leagues another one of those guys who was like a high-end prospect right before we had prospects I mentioned sam jones before another world war ii vet um who played for many teams and was uh, also through the first, I believe, no hitter for any African-American pitcher, but that was not in Cleveland, but he started his career in Cleveland mentioned Quincy Troopy who played one year. and He was a five-time Negro league all-star Dave Pope was a, had one season in uh, I want to say, or no, he was a multiple years, another vet on Cleveland's bench. I feel like his best years were in Baltimore. When I read a section in the book, Dave Hoskins was a, hitter who became a pitcher who dominated the texas league back when uh that was a big deal and back when players of color couldn't and uh yeah it was uh, i think i'm trying to remember it was larry doby someone recommended him but uh, it's when he switched to pitching that he stood out al smith one of those guys, another guy with uh, Mini minoso that got traded to the White Sox at the Guardians, probably or the Indians at the time, probably regretted that deal as he had a long career. Jose Santiago, I did not find as much on, he played for the Guardians. And then Joe Caffey was the last player that uh, I had in there. But when I went through, it was 13 players. Um, and yeah, Cleveland had a big role in this, they were very smart in this. And it was through integration that uh that those teams got very good. This team was if you are if you listen to my show a year ago when I got deep in the weeds of history, Cleveland it's funny that Trish Speaker has the all-time war. I believe, yeah, I believe he's number one. They got him because Boston refused to pay him. And so it's a funny thing you look back in history. Cleveland outbid Boston for the best player in baseball, and they had a really good team. And then after the 1920s kind of falls apart and it goes kind of dormant until the 40s you know finding guys like bob feller bob lemon helps but then the next step was that integration and then you had the 40s and the 50s and then it kind of <sighs> went away yeah and uh yeah it's you know I and i know i didn't I, I didn't even really mention larry doby i feel like everyone has to know larry doby by now you know he breaking the the color league, the the color, the color barrier in the American league. The fact is people knew he was coming like Jackie Robinson. I always get this wrong. Jackie Robinson went straight to the majors, right? Whereas Larry Doby had to deal with the the minors. Like he had to go through and kind of, and and that's the other thing that's interesting too, just because the era there was not TV at least everywhere. It was not his uniform. So there were tons of minor league teams and it was something that really mattered, uh, you know, people were cared sometimes more about the minor league team than their major league squad. So, uh, it was a very passionate thing when a player was on that minor league squad. And yeah, I mean, Larry Doby, and, and you know, it's kind of just the way it was in that era. Like they did trade Larry Doby away. He did come back. Um, almost no one stayed <laughs> their whole career as much as we we talk nowadays about like spending their whole career with the team. That really wasn't a thing. Um, yeah i think it is important like i said i want i'm looking forward to going through and reading the rest of this it's just it's a lot of nice one hitters on information they could find uh i found this book because i was looking for more information on joe Caffey when i read the the three two three seconds to first base and um you know i'd probably be remiss with our star wars referencing if i didn't mention uh bingo long's traveling all-stars starring one uh billy d williams as as the satchel as bingo long who's essentially satchel page uh in that movie. So wow. uh we didn't mention that in our in our baseball movie one. So I should probably throw that out there as well at this point in the show. But I you know, it's a rich history. I'm not doing it justice. I know there's things I'm missing and forgetting. Uh you know, I'm just this uh I don't know. Like I said, I'm a, a Lebanese white kid who uh grew up loving baseball and loves all aspects of it and relishes the overall history and um Yeah. You know, it'd be great if, if any of the family members of these players would like to come on and tell us about their grandfather, uncle, dad, um, we would gladly have them on the show and give more due to someone like Joe Caffey, who probably has never gotten the due they fully deserve. But uh, we'll, I'll just extend that right now, even without asking Justin, because I know Justin would agree with me anyways, but we will, we will throw that out there.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: But uh, before we get into our next segment and Uh, all things kind of about the current now Cleveland guardians baseball side of things. Uh, we're going to take a quick sponsor break and then be back
1: talking baseball.
0: Do you want to lead us off into our third segment here on the show today?
1: Yeah. After that, that good history lesson there. Uh, so we really didn't address that, uh, Shane Bieber was named the opening day starter again for this year. Really no surprise. This will be his fourth ever. Uh, I know you have some history on that as well, but I thought it would be fun to take a peek into the crystal ball because we've done it a couple times in the show. And, you know, he's making his four straight opening day start for Cleveland. Who is going to start the next four season openers for Cleveland? So do you want to quickly, uh, do you have the guys up who, who made the last, uh, guys who have made four starts?
0: Oh, before we do that, I just want to do one more shout out. Uh, The one thing that's kind of started our original talk in the Negro League, uh, I forgot to mention, is MLB, the show, is going to have Negro League players represented wearing the uniforms. And the only one of the Cleveland players I mentioned today who is going to be in that is Leroy Satchel Page. So that is something I wanted to to make sure to include that I forgot to include when I was looking at my notes uh, in front of me for the show. Yes, I do have notes. Uh, So I know Corey Kluber is one of them off the top of my head. And then uh, Bob Feller. Stan Kovaleski, going back to those 20s team. And then was it Gaylord Perry? Wow. Yes, it is Gaylord Perry. And then the other players who did it, but didn't, because those are the ones who did it four years in a row. Right. I I saw that in the Zach Meisel piece. I wouldn't have known that ahead of time on the Athletic. I do want to give him his credit. Um, Then it was uh, Lemon, not, and so what I wrote down from that piece was Lemon, Sabathia, uh, Negi. Addie Joss, and then Willie Mitchell, who I was not familiar with. I at least knew all the other ones. So it is it is a rare league company because, especially nowadays, you don't get a lot of guys who can break in that quickly, be that good, and that you're able – I mean, because Bieber, this is going to be his fourth opening day. He's only going to probably pitch five years in Cleveland.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, 2019 was the last time he didn't start opening game. It was Corey Kluber. So they got, they went from, you know, not a lot of guys who were <laughs> capable of doing that. And then, because they had a lot of transition, you know, we had Justin Masterson, some other randos in there in the beginning, and then Kluber for a couple of years, and then straight to Beaver. So, okay, we have talked a couple times about how, <laughs> is Shane Beaver going to be here next year? We both think by next January he'll be wearing a different jersey. So, uh, your 2024 opening day pitcher, not not home opener, but just the, the first, the guy who's pitching the first game of this season. Who is it, Shane Bieber? Is it somebody else for
0: you? So the minute you asked me about this, I immediately wanted to be like Corbin Burns just to steal your thunder. How dare you!
1: How <laughs> <'Cause laughs> dare
0: you! I knew you were going to go to me first, and I was like, I should say Corbin Burns just to be a, a jerk here. Um, sorry, it's those ums and ows when I'm right by the mic are probably like super loud. I, I, I mean, I'm going to lean Tristan McKenzie right now. I think, uh, barring a trade or barring, you know, Bybee or Williams, who are, I mean, they're, listen, they are making waves at camp. They're not going to be able to hide those two guys from, from, um, from Tito for long. And Hey, if these two make a lot of waves and they're under a 40 man crunch, you know, we should maybe do a, just an episode in the future, like finding the next Will Benson deal. Like, where is it going to make sense? Like everyone's kind of focused on the Dodgers, but not might be more the Padres, a team that doesn't have depth. So that's, that's for another day. But You know, if they have to start clearing 40-man spots, if they have to, I know people sometimes are like, you know, you're not getting as good a return on your asset that way. Yeah, to a degree, but you also can't sit on it till there's no value. Like, I mean, look at staying on Bradley Zimmer till they basically got no return as opposed to trading Will Benson at arguably peak value. Like you you sometimes have to realize you got a log jam, you got to figure things out. But I, I would lean McKenzie right now.
1: Can I say Corbin Burns? Like, can I just break the trade? Yeah, or can no, I say that's, Tristan that's McKenzie? Fine. Okay, I'll I'll say Corbin Burns for 2024. 2025, who is your opening day starter? Um, Why still lead McKenzie? Because I feel like
0: once a guy settles in, it's probably him. Though I, I will change it in 26, even though I don't know when McKenzie is a free agent. I believe he would not. Now I got to go look that up
1: think it's 2027 for him so i think you're so okay. then
0: 2026 would be his
1: trade year right that's true yeah, yeah so 2025 so you've got two yeah. straight years tristan mckenzie okay uh i'll say i'll do i'll do burns for next year and then 2025 i will say tristan mckenzie with you so he has got one more year after that so all right 2026 third this is the, ne- the third third year in the future who is the 2026 opening day starter
0: so in my head i'm only really debating two guys and it's Espino and bybee um, and, and like if Espino can be healthy. And uh, let's be honest, a lot of the news we have seen or the response to Espino's injury has been pretty healthy for as much as people got mad. when I was like, I'm sure the takes are rational when this injury happened. It's like, we're seeing like Jonathan Mayo act like it's no big deal recently. And yeah, someone's like, well, he works for MLB again. You know, I've got the tinfoil in here. So I be like they just want to hide his injury because they want the young stars to not be. But in, in actuality, it's, you know, it, We'll see what happens with him. I'm going to lean towards Bybee again, just health. And I think the stuff is, listen, no one's stuff in the minors compares to Espino. If Aspino's healthy, he's the Grom Light. Um, I'll go ahead and say that. I mean, that's a big comp, but you look at the fastball slider, you're talking 270 grade pitches. Who else has that?
1: DeGrom so maybe Garrett Cole.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so, and that's also why you don't trade him because you want to trade for 25 right. cents on the dollar or do you want to hope you roll, you know, hit the money line and get. Jacob DeGrom light. So I'll go with Bybee because it's just a higher percentage chance of outcome. But now that we have talked about how safe he is, we have put the mother of all jinxes. So I apologize to the entire Bybee family <laughs>
1: um, right now. If there is any injury this year, this is our fault. I'll just own that. I didn't want to think about that. Uh, yeah. So what I say? 24 is Burns. 25 is McKenzie. Uh, 26. I will also go Tanner Bybee with you. So that's three years. All right, Jeff. Twenty twenty six. Where I can't believe we're talking about twenty It's seems like a a normal year, but that is the the fourth year here. So
0: yeah. Uh, well, if I'm gonna go Bybee. then. Wait, is that
1: twenty news. twenty four? I'm I'm doing the math again. This is not okay, good. so, so twenty four uh, twi- okay. so or twenty twenty seven. We're doing twenty twenty seven. So we, yes. we did the fir- we did the first three. So the twenty seven. I'm still saying Bybee. I agree, Tanner Bybee. I, I think I'll go with Tanner Bybee. Uh. My dark horse is, yeah, it might be Justin Campbell. I don't know. I was going to say, he was, I, he was the other
0: guy who got a pop in my head. Just because, you know, if he gets the the Cleveland spin, like I don't want to say like the Cleveland bounce because it's not like, but the Cleveland spin, um, you know, it's like him or it's like, you know, if Parker Messick has a lot of reasons he could potentially jump there. yeah, Jump there. Uh, but we know this team, so it's going to be none of those guys. Like <laughs> it's The, know, the breakout is always like, you know, Shane Bieber was never a top 100 prospect. Corey Kluber is never a top 100 prospect. Carlos Carrasco was a very high prospect, but essentially washed out before he, you know, yeah. he had the case of the hitting everybody in sight where I had a lot of, I mean, I could go pull up the tweets. of I got the receipts of people being like, oh, let's cut him. He's a," t-. And I'm like, let's not, let's be patient. Like my whole let's be patient thing kind of started there. I remember laying on the floor at my grandmother's watching him bean people and like, let's calm down. It'll be okay. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's probably someone we don't even know. It's probably like I don't. know, Let's go look at some, one of these day three picks from last year. Who's uh, who's going to be the guy? Maybe a day two pick that we're not giving enough
1: credit to. It's gonna be it's gonna be Jack Lefwich, or it's gonna be you know Austin Peterson.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, my so your guy or my guy, which.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I yeah. like I like them both. I like Jack yeah. Lefwich, but yeah. Uh, all right. So that's uh, the next four years. You don't have to worry about it. You, you can. Know. We can just tell Tito. Pencil in Corbin Burns next year when you trade when they trade Beaver and uh, after that you just pencil in McKenzie for a year and you let Bybee slide in and then after that it's that's Tanner Bybee time and then you get the the core the core three I don't know I, I don't want to say core four the core three though the big three and if they I can see. find anybody healthy behind if if Cantil or Cody Morris can stay healthy they can go with the big four
0: yeah and then it's I mean good. you got Allen you got so many things it's such a fun situation
1: it is um, yeah. They're not all going to pan out. I know we no. get excited about it. They're not all going to pan out. Some, like you said, you probably not put the hex on anybody. Um, Before we go, could I throw a
0: quick update? I so, suppose. Yeah. Uh, so last week I mentioned uh, Ryland uh, Zabrowski, who was tearing things up at Miami of Ohio, and then I dug into his story. Um, I've since talked with his uh, with some family members through DM. And I want to again, especially if you're in the area, recommend checking out this story. Because on top of him being six foot five, I'm sorry, listed six six now, two fifteen, and won't turn twenty one till May, with six home runs so far this year, turns out um, Ryland is very awesome about his awesome. Well, he is awesome, but he's also open about his diagnosis of autism, and has overcome a lot to get where he is. And it's kind of a fantastic story as a special ed teacher, as someone who spent a year, you know, teaching um a year, spent a decade working um, with children with autism that I, yes, I know. I just, if you're watching on um, YouTube, something just fell. Uh, yeah, not, I'm not laughing at Jeff. No, job. I'm no, laughing at
1: something just fell on his Something just his fell background. in the
0: background. Uh, so just to make that laugh seem uh, not inappropriate. So I think it's just a really interesting story. I, I think he's a, just, you look at the base stuff. There's, there's stuff there that is draftable. But I think the overall story is great because there's, I think, of all the kids through the years. I mean, some of them I now know who are in their 20s on Facebook friends with who still go um, and do their athletics and do like every Special Olympics event because Special Olympics, you know, sometimes gets a bad rap or an understanding of like it not being competitive. And it, it totally is. Um, and it totally isn't. It depends on the kid and it depends on what's appropriate. But here is a player who has a diagnosis that you don't often see excelling at a division one level. So I think he was already an interesting story, but now I'm, I'm really pulling for him. Um, and I think it's going to be really something kind of amazing to check out and watch and see right now. If you're curious, uh, his, his banning average is 326, 392 on base percentage and an 804 slugging, which from what I understand is pretty decent, uh, an ISO of 478. So yeah. And, uh, so point this out when you are a small school, like Miami, you face your hardest schedule at the start of the year. Conference play is easier. It gets the other way around. Like if you're a big school, you kind of want to look at those numbers. So it's it's kind of fun when you add that in. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's, uh, he played in the Northwoods last year, and I missed that. If he plays in the Northwoods again this year, I'm going to be out checking that out. But I wanted to kind of follow up because I think it's a really – it is a rare story. It's a fantastic story, and it's already, to me, a feel-good.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Keep you an eye on i the draft this year. Um, real quick, I'll just note that um we had 18 people join the Locked On Guardians Fantasy League. Jeff I was I, last. Yes, Jeff, it's 12. You made it 20. You and I made it 20. So okay. Jeff and I are both in. The though thanks to 18 of you who are interested, that's amazing. I was just telling our channel manager at lockdown MLB that uh, you know, we this this league had so much interest, I couldn't believe I when people first started coming, I was like, Oh, hopefully we'll get like you know eight or ten. And eight ended up being 18 people who, who wanted to get in the sling I wonder if there's even more who might have missed out. But thank you for your interest. The draft will be uh Saturday, March 25th at nine o'clock. So uh it's on Yahoo if, if you signed up, hopefully you got the notification. Uh just a standard snake draft and really looking forward to to joining in on that. And it's- I was hoping we could do it on a day where you and I can record and draft, but I feel like that'd be kind of chaotic recording. But uh I don't know maybe we can
0: try. Throw it up as a bonus or throw it up can- on uh I'm not
1: doing anything. My my fiance is going to a John Mayer concert that night, mm-hmm. so that is why I scheduled the draft that night. So, so I will which, be here. Maybe I'll record is, myself. Which day is it again? Uh, Saturday, uh, May March 29th, March 25th. Oh, Jeez, that's uh, the beginning of my spring break,
0: so I have to see. But at night, I'm typically pretty free. So if All not, right. if, if it's not here, we'll put a link and maybe we'll do it on Justin's um, Guardians of the Future. Uh, we'll figure out a way. Yeah, we'll we figure some it out. Fun. And that way, if it's a Guardians future, we can say whatever we want and not have to worry about. Um, oh yeah. Good other. point.
1: Yeah. And then final thoughts, Jeff uh, W B C W B C. No, Richie Plosh just tonight for team Netherlands. Unfortunately, his brother is Josh is starting in right field. Uh, we're about ha- as we're recording this, it's about a half hour away from first pitch. I will have it on. I know Jeff is excited to stay up all night and watch it. And he's going to get up at 6. AM and watch tomorrow's, uh, Chinese Taipei matchup with, the. Uh, I don't know who they're playing, but I know Jeff will be on to watch that tomorrow morning. Um, Looking forward to your thoughts tomorrow. I, I couldn't name all
0: the teams in the tournament.
1: I did a bracket. If Anyone's curious, I did. I'm such a nerd. I did a bracket. Like I have it on, on Twitter. I, I have. Uh, I'll just spoil it for you. I have Dominican Republic winning because you know chalk. But I have them facing Venezuela. I have USA get knocked out in the quarterfinal by Venezuela, and I have Venezuela actually beating Team China. Bahamas the whole way, uh, because if they win, they
0: have to invite me to their celebration party because I'm picking them to win.
1: That would be the great. That would be great. So Britain. I'm, I don't I'm, have I'm great. Great Britain's gotta get past USA, Mexico, Colombia, and Canada. Good luck, guys. It's a nice so, story. But uh, I do know Bahamas. the Netherlands making it out of the first round, I will say.
0: But I'm gonna root, I'm gonna say Bahamas win it all. And the rule is they have to invite me to their celebration down there when they win. That's that's my stance. I think that's yes. fair. But uh thank you for listening, reading and reviewing, downloading it helps. Uh keep tuning in and we'll keep having fun things. Help us drive the show. Tell us what you want to hear, see, watch, and go go, Guardians go.